0: So this morning I'm going to bring the word to you, and I'm going to be speaking to you from the first letter of Peter, and I was quite interested uh, in the way the Lord led me to this as a whole journey. And, and my wife says I mustn't always tell all my stories; we get distracted. Uh, but we are at one Peter. That's the address we're at, and I want to minister. I've never actually preached um, through Peter, and I'm not saying we're going to necessarily preach through the whole of Peter because. I had great intentions of maybe doing the first chapter this morning, and then I read the first, and I thought, well, maybe the first, like, sort of ten verses, and then I thought, well, maybe the first five verses, and right now, I'm hoping we can get through the first two verses. So, at this rate, you know, we could still be doing Peter in, like, 2037, if (laughs) if we're doing what? No, I'm kidding. We won't do that. But, why Peter's first letter? Now, I hope... You know about Peter, Peter is probably one of the most well known of jesus' twelve disciples. Um, there are so many stories about Peter in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the bible and he's in every time the disciples are mentioned, his name's mentioned first, and are, he's mentioned in, in in more than any of the other disciples, etc but you know what 's interesting so this letter Peter wrote 30 years after Jesus ascended to heaven. 30 years later. So we know those gospel stories. Those three years he was a young man walking with Jesus. And he made a lot of mistakes. And I was like, you know, I could introduce this book of Peter to you by going to look at some of Peter's blunders and mistakes, etc. The problem would be, you know what the problem would be? Then you look at what he's written in this letter Through the lens of this guy, he was a real big mouth, loud mouth, impulsive kind of a person. and, and, And it limits your ability to receive from what he's writing 30 years later. Folks, if you've walked with God for 30 years, let me tell you God's changed your life. Amen? You're not the same person you were 30 years ago. And so I'm kind of wanting to say, can we not think of the Peter from 30 years ago from when he wrote this? He's now, maybe in his 60s or 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, there somewhere. He is significant leader in the church. And so, I want you to receive from a man who, yes, walked three years with Jesus in the flesh. But he's now walked 30 years with Jesus by the Spirit of God. And, he, and, 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 and who's he writing to? Peter's writing... And you'll see over here, we'll we'll list it in the first two verses, mentions these places in an area which is north of Israel, known as modern-day Turkey. There were a whole lot of churches there. And there were, he's writing to believers who were in those areas, literally use the word scattered in those areas, and we're going to look at that. But the significant thing about the time that he's writing this, so he's writing in the 60s, okay? Not the 1960s, the original 60s. The like six zeros, okay? The zeros 60s, okay? Uh, The swinging 60s, 2,000 years ago, okay? Um, And what was significant in that time? Rome was the superpower. Rome was ruling the world with an iron fist. And they had an emperor in Rome at that time in the 60s. His name was Nero. Now, if you know history and you hear the word Nero, you kind of roll your eyes. He was, he was so wicked. He was one of the most wicked emperors. Um, he came to the throne at a very young age. Folks, this is how wicked he was. He murdered his own mother. He murdered his first wife, etc. And he set fire to Rome. He set fire to Rome. The, the, and then he blamed it on the Christians. And that resulted in massive persecutions against Christians across the Roman Empire because there are people like these Christians are trying to destroy, you know, our empire. And so Peter's writing to these Christians. And some writers say that this letter would have been such an encouragement to these Christians who were suddenly being victimized and, and, and literally beaten up by Romans all over the empire because the Christians. Had had set Rome on light, uh, set Rome alight. So, so please be aware of the context that we're writing in, and 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 you know, folks. Reality is we've been through some tough times. Okay, pandemic, our first pandemic. Hopefully, it's my last pandemic. I don't know about you. I'm not looking forward to another pandemic. One pandemic in a lifetime is enough for me. Okay, and how you know, war, uh, you know, between a major nation and. I mean, it's just, I can't believe, you know, three years ago, if if you'd said, you know, the times we're living in now, I would have said, yeah, right, okay? So I'm saying that because I believe Peter's words, literally, uh, some writers say that Peter was an apostle of hope. He was giving hope to people that were facing really tough times, okay? So that's the whole background to Peter. Okay, there we go. How's it, Pete? Let's go. And let's go. We're jumping straight into the text of one Peter, and I've put on the screen there the first two verses, and, and we, we, we're quoting, I'm, I'm looking at the, the NIV Bible from the 84 version. And it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So we know who's writing this book, but I just want to notice, Peter doesn't give any, any major frills, etc., no big explanation about who he is, except to say, He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. And folks, you know, I've said this. We sang that last song about about Jesus. And and, and, and it was such a a Christ-centered song. And I was just, I'm amazed at how Christ-centered the apostles are. In their writings, how Christ-centered the Bible is. It's hard for you to read the Bible, the New Testament, and not conclude that Jesus was a major focus and the focus of devotion and adoration and submission in, in, in the New Testament. He says an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I just want to say this. The, the term apostle means sent one. There was no disputing Peter's apostleship. Very often Paul wrote many of the other letters um, in, the, in the New Testament. But he often had to qualify an apostle by the will of God because there was a real attack against Paul's apostleship but nobody doubted, doubted Peter's apostleship. He doesn't say by the will of God or anything. But he says of Jesus Christ. He's not an apostle of himself, of his own making, of his own will or, or volition. And I want to say, I don't know what your vocation or calling in life is. Maybe you're A teacher. Can you say you're a teacher of Jesus Christ? Maybe you're a construction foreman. Are you a construction foreman of Jesus Christ? What does it mean when you say I am of Him? Means you submitted to him, you devoted to him, you receive your directions from him. It literally means he's my boss. Yes, I'm on that construction site and I have an earthly boss, but ultimately, Jesus is my boss. And if that construction foreman tells me or my, my manager, my construct, tells me to do something that's conniving or whatever, I'm like, but I'm actually of Jesus Christ. And as a follower of Jesus, I can't withhold payment from that supplier and rather give money to your your mate. I'm sorry, I can't do that. That's not right because I am of Jesus. Folks, can you say, I am of Jesus Christ? That is radical implications whether you're a construction foreman, a teacher, or the president of South Africa. Every one of us, I hope you can say, I am filling the gap of Jesus Christ. So simple, so profound. And then he says, he says, to God's elect strangers in the world. Now, you know, I've underlined the word elect there because he picks up the theme a little bit later. You see in the middle there is the word chosen. I don't actually want to read that text now. We'll get to it. And then at the bottom here, the last line, he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Now, that was a standard greeting in those days. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. In those days, they would greet one another with grace and peace to you. You know? Good morning, Trish. Grace and peace to you. Amen? Good morning, Amu. Grace and peace to you. Okay? That was a a greeting. And it's so interesting. I mean, both those concepts were great. The Jews used to greet one another with the word shalom, which was peace. And the Greeks used to greet one another with a, the with a greeting, grace to you. And the Christians come along and say, hey, we like both. Okay. Grace and peace to you. Amu. And so why am I highlighting this? Because the first two verses is the greeting. And if you read Paul's letters, usually he says, um, from Paul, the apostle, an apostle of Jesus, by the will of God. Um, and then he jumps straight into grace and peace. But right in the introduction, before before he can, I mean, he should have. Why didn't he say grace and peace right sooner? There's stuff he wanted to say in between, which we're going to get to. This is what we're looking at this morning. What does he put between uh, from Peter to God's elect, grace and peace to you? There's the stuff in the middle that is. It's as if Peter. This is like the main thing that he wants you to get, wants us to get. He can't even finish his greeting. It's like, good morning, I'm, I just wanted to say uh, grace and peace to you. It's like, this is important stuff. He, he couldn't wait to finish his greeting to actually say this stuff in the middle, which we're going to look at. And the essence is this concept of, to God's elect. But I want to highlight here that, The the contrast between him saying to God's elect, comma, strangers in the world. Do you know what a contrast that is? But that, you know, I love what Pastor Steve Morrill said. He said, there are many things in life that sometimes we think this is a problem to solve, whereas it's actually a tension to manage. Now, (laughs) Some of you will get what I'm saying, just how profound that is. Sometimes we want to choose between two things. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Those tensions are reality in our lives. The tension of you're elected, chosen personally by God. But in the world you're a stranger. Strangers in the world. I want to just highlight this word stranger. We're going to get to the word elect Because, folks, these are such opposite concepts. Now, firstly, I mean, what's the root of the word stranger? It's the word strange, okay? (laughs) Now, please don't put up your hand now. But how many of you sometimes feel, I'm strange, (laughs) I'm different? Now, please don't put up your hands right now, okay? I, I, I know many of you probably will. But, folks, you know how often it's a very negative thing? I'm strange. I'm different. But I want to say, uh, Paul is not saying this as, this is, this is amazing. He's simply admitting a reality that in the world, we will experience the world as strangers. If you read other Bible translations, some translations use the word foreigners. Now, in South Africa, ha <laughs> ha, If you're a foreigner, and again, don't put up your hand right now. If you're a foreigner, you carry a passport from another nation. That is a huge concept for you. Now that I'm using the word foreigner, some of you are like clicking in and like, okay, I want to hear what Peter has to say over here because this is my reality. Folks, what do foreigners in South Africa experience? If you live in Alexander Township up in Joburg, it is a reality that you are facing severe persecution. If you understand what these people, these Christians experience in these areas, and he says strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He mentions those are five or six different places in modern-day Turkey. So, it's, it's in that region. If you want to understand... What the Christians were experiencing in that area, go and speak to somebody carrying a Zimbabwe passport who lives in Alexandria Township in Joburg. What they experienced is the reality of what these Christians experienced. That your businesses could very easily be petrol bombed. That your your staff could very easily be stolen. Why? Because you carry a a Zimbabwe passport. In that day, it was because you're a Christian. Now, folks, I want to emphasize that in the Bible, the Bible instructs us to be kind to foreigners. I read the scripture this morning. I think it's Deuteronomy 18 or somewhere there. To be kind to foreigners. And you know why the Lord instructs the people of God to be kind to foreigners? Because He says, remember, that's how you were in Egypt. And not just there. This term, strangers in the world, to the Israelites, it wasn't just the time they were, they were strangers in a strange land in Egypt. It was the time they were taken into captivity in Babylon. And they lived for 70 years there and, not, and mo, many of them never came back to Israel. And this reality of them being strangers in a foreign land was the reason God said, you better be nice to the strangers, the foreigners who are amongst you, Because that's going to be a reality for you and it has been a reality in your past. Now, I'm mentioning a Zimbabwe passport holder in Alexandria Trialship in Joburg to try and connect with you these people that lived in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and were Christians like you and me. And folks, he is highlighting, he's saying to God's elect strangers in the world. He's putting these two concepts together. Why? Because, folks, as a stranger, as a foreigner, some translations use the word sojourner, some translations use the word pilgrim. That is the reality, folks, for us who have passports to heaven. How many of you have a passport to heaven? Now you could put up your hand, okay? After all you put it. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord, if you are of Jesus, you have a passport to heaven. Folks, that means that this side of eternity, folks, I want to submit to you, you are not gonna you are not gonna find heaven on earth like we are gonna experience one day when we graduate from this earth suit and we are welcomed into the arms of our Father. There is the 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 there's the reality. That we are change agents. We are actually meant to bring heaven to earth and change this world. And many people don't like that fact. Amen. And at this side of eternity, the reality of we are. And where do, we, where, where is that, where do you experience that? It may be at school, maybe in your workplace. It may be the fact that. And, and let me tell you, when, when I was working as an engineer, the guys would go on. Would go on these trips, engineering trips. Now, um, I worked for nearly nine well nine years as an engineer in PE. Um, I was qualified as an engineer, etc. But always sensed the call of God into ministry. And these guys would go on engineering trips. There would be an engineering, um, whatever reason for engineers to go to another city. Folks, I was shocked to hear these are these are professionals. These are. Guys who are married, who have children, etc. And they would come back from these trips to another city for some engineering congress or whatever it is. And they would all be joking about how lacquer it was. They're coming back from these trips and they would joke about how lacquer it was to visit the strip clubs in whatever town or city they went to. And I'm going like, these are professionals. Folks, if, if an education... I mean, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, "Education just makes clever little devils." (laughs) These are people, registered professional engineers, married with children, who, when they go to another place, go to a bar that has a strip club. And I'm going like, if I was there, I was a Christian back there. I want to assure you, I would have never gone with them to that bar with a strip club. And and you know what I would have experienced? You're the stranger. You're the odd one out. Now, I never went on any of those trips, and I'm very glad I did. But I knew I would have had to make, for me, an easy decision, but also a difficult one. Because when we come back to the office, and the other guys are talking about... And I'm like, you went to an engineering congress. Why are you talking about that rubbish? What about the engineering conference you went to? And I'm like, I never went to that, but immediately there, I would have been the foreigner. I would have been the stranger and possibly faced persecution because I'm like, you better not split on us. You better not, you know, let our wives find out what we did, etc. And I'm like, this reality of this side of eternity, experiencing life as a foreigner is true. But what Peter, Peter is highlighting is this word elect, and this is actually where I want to go. This word to God's elect because he... After he mentions where the people are, strangers in the world, I want to say, being labeled a stranger, a foreigner, a pilgrim. Remember, a pilgrim is somebody who's just passing through on en route to somewhere else. And I think that's a good description of our lives. Folks, ultimately our destination is heaven. But we, are, we, are, we want to see God get the glory on earth en route. Amen? We are pilgrims with a mission. Amen? But he's, he, he says here to God's elect what is elect the word chosen it says in verse 2 who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood that is what he is unpacking he's unpacking what it means to be the elect okay so you think elect that's just choosing okay what is elect we had, and I'm using this illustration for, for a reason, Easter Friday, Good Friday, we had a number of stations over here. And here was a station where you there were there was a packet of seeds and then and, and you were encouraged to take a seed and remember I ministered that Sunday morning on the reality of well the theme was dying to live. And the reality of what happens to a seed when a seed is planted in the ground. And, and remember, the Bible describes that, that, that the, the form, the plant that comes out is so different to the seed that is planted. And that's so, so true. When we, when we surrender to Christ, God brings stuff from our lives. Our new life is so different to what we may have imagined it to look like. And I don't want to re-preach that sermon. But many of you went to that packet where they were sprinkled over there. And you chose a seed. Now, some of you weren't very intentional. You know, I just strolled up and I just took any old seed. But folks, the picture here about elect, being elected or chosen, is a very intentional word. It is like you stroll up to the, 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 that bunch of seeds that were, that were on the table there. And you very intentionally... And very carefully select your seed. You don't just select any seed. Now, what's amazing is, look at what it says, verse 2, about who have been chosen. I'm going to unpack that. I just want to mention this. Remember we planted in a pot? My wife watered it. I should have taken a picture. Guys, you should see all the sunflowers growing out of that pot. It is amazing. I mean, that was just like, what, two weeks ago? I mean, it's just like bristling with seeds coming out of that pot. It's actually quite exciting. I want to take a picture. Folks, your seeds are growing. Amen? It's like that's a prophetic picture right there. But what I wanted to highlight is that the opposite of being a stranger, being a foreigner that is, that is not accepted. Because think about those poor foreigners in Alexandria Township in Joburg. They were experiencing rejection. They were experiencing persecution, etc. I want to submit to you, God's election, the fact that God chose you. God looked at a bunch of seeds representing our lives. He looked at how many people are on this planet now? Six billion, seven, I think it's seven billion. God looked at seven billion seeds and He selected some of them. And he carefully did it. How do I know that? Because that's what the Bible says. It says over here, verse 2, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That word foreknowledge is is, is such a phenomenal concept. Folks, you could use the word forethought. God gave a lot of forethought to choosing you and to choosing me. Folks, how much time did your Father in heaven think about choosing you since time began? And I want to say, how much time did He spend thinking about choosing you before time began? How much time, and, and, and because we in time, how much did God think about choosing you in the preceding millenniums that have gone before us? How excited is our Father God to see your life blooming, to see you serving, to see the potential of your life, to see your seed growing. Folks, this word, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, you are not here by mistake. You are not here just... And and he's saying this, he's saying this, remember at the top there he says, strangers in the world scattered throughout, and he mentioned. You know that word scattered, literally is the same word you would use if you were sowing seed. If a sower, a farmer, okay, if a farmer prepares a, a piece of land, he will take seed and he will scatter it, or we will sow it. It's the same word. And, he, and he's saying over here, that word strange in the world, but you have been scattered. You've been chosen, and you have been planted in those areas. And he mentions all those areas, folks. You've been planted in Peter Mareswig. You think, oh, I'm just here because you know I managed to get into UKZN. You know, I got a job over there. Whatever. I was born here. Oh, great. You know what a great place to be born. No, 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 folks. This verse when he says scattered, it's it's a planting. You. And, you were cho- and they were chosen in to, be, to be planted in those places. Now, in all of this I'm saying, can you see how Peter is undoing and destroying the damage that comes with, I'm a stranger, I'm a foreigner, I'm a sojourner, I'm a pilgrim, I'm a reject. I'm rejected. I'm an outcast. I'm strange. I'm weird. I don't fit in. I don't belong. Can you see how much through everything he's saying, he's undoing the attack of the enemy that says you don't belong? He's saying you do belong. When it says you're weird, he says, but I've chosen you from time began. I chose you. And more than that, so he says, This is what in verse 2. Can you see? We have Father, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, all in verse three, we have the Trinity in verse two. look at what he says, who've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, there's the Holy Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and sprinkling by his blood. We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, folks, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are all involved in your choosing. He's describing and he's highlighting what is this choosing look. Yes, the world may say, you're strange, you're weird, you're an outcast, you're different, etc. But he said, we are all busy selecting you. You are there in Bithynia or Cappadocia or Galatia or Pontus or Peter Maritzburg or Pophyrr or Perth because I've planted you there. The Father's been at work at getting you there. You in that family, you think, oh, my family, couldn't have been born in another family? Why this family? I planted you there. The Father's been at work in planting you there. The Holy Spirit's been at work in getting you there. Jesus is calling you to be there, all involved in. There's no mistake. There's no action. The world may say you're weird, you're strange, you don't belong, etc. But God says, I'm totally involved in this. Don't worry what the world thinks. Don't worry how they label you. You're a foreigner. You're from Zimbabwe. Let's see your passport. I don't care. Your passport's in heaven. I've chosen you. I'm undoing all the stuff. I'm saying I'm for you. There's purpose. Folks, when it says the Father has foreknowledge, God is has a massive plan for the universe and you're part of it. You are 100% part of His plan to bring heaven to earth, to cause the earth to be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. You are part of it. He's chosen you. And it doesn't matter how the world labels you, you belong. You are in His plan, you are in His purpose, He's working in you, He always has been, and He always will be. Because can you also see in that verse, it mentions Father, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, but it's also past, present and future. This isn't just today that He's chosen you. You happen to walk into church and, oh, I don't know God's in my life, I don't know I'm chosen. God has been working in your life to bring you to church this morning since time began. He's delighted that you are here because foreknowledge is past. Then it says, through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, that's present tense. Right now, what is God doing through this word that's been spoken to you? He is sanctifying you by the Holy Spirit. You say what that is? Just hang on, I'll explain it to you. For obedience, this is now looking forward. This is future tense. What does your life look like? Now that you realize I'm chosen, I'm not a mistake, I'm not an oopsie, I'm not yeah, I'm not weird, I'm not different. I'm chosen by God. He's been working in me, created me. He's put my genes together, he chose my hair color, he chose my height, he chose my personality, he put me together for a purpose. I'm here right now fulfilling God and I'm going to follow him as I go forward. That's the future tense. That's the Jesus stuff. But we said over here, he says, through sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. What is that? Sanctifying means the setting apart work of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? Right now, the work in God is, he's working out your choosing, your election by the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? I want to mention and I want to share personal examples to you when i was at university and i recommitted my heart to the lord one of the first things i realized was i had some friends in my life that were not serving god that were really they were let's say just say they were good sinners okay they were good sinners in the best possible way okay and i just realized they were not a good influence in my life now, where did that realization come from? It came from the Holy Spirit, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, "I'm setting you apart, my son." And there were some Christians that were in my residence, and I kind of knew some of them, but not that well. And I had the strong conviction I needed to be with those guys. Okay, I'm not saying that the Christians are this side and the non-Christians are that side. I don't know why I'm doing this. Okay, so I had to go from the non-Christians to the. I'm not saying that. Okay, I'm kidding. Okay, I don't know why. You know, maybe it's just because, you know, Helen looks so holy or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> okay. What, I, what it looked like... The, God did a sanctifying work in my life that I realized that some friends were not good for me, and I needed to make some other good friends. How is that saying That is a major sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, where He says, I want you to pursue these godly relationships in your life, and those ungodly ones... Listen, folks, don't cut them off, but you cannot allow some people to have so much influence in your life. That is a major sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Another area for me was, I, I came from a culture, you know, and, and I'm, where we're using strong words was common. you know, especially those four-letter types. I mean And I use strong four-letter-type words. It was. Po- Part of my friends, part of my background, my family, culture. Using strong words, everybody did it, so I did it. But there was a sanctifying, a setting apart. The Holy Spirit convicted me that talking like that as a child of God, as somebody chosen by God, is not on. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, I had to work hard on changing my language. Now, hopefully, you know, hopefully God's done a work, you know, in my life. There are times where I find, you know, those words, or they they they're close here, and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> okay? But I just realized that talking like that, that doesn't honor God, that doesn't glorify God. Another area for me was I I grew up in a culture, a drinking culture, where where drinking and getting drunk, you know, you drank to get drunk, and that was that was what happened on Friday nights and Saturday nights and Wednesday nights and etc. And it was it was like that's what you do. And in my end of my first year of varsity, when I on my heart, I had the conviction that being drunk does not glorify God. And I, it was a sanctifying work that nobody came to me. I didn't hear a single preacher say, Thou shalt not get drunk every Friday night. I didn't hear it. It was a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. I had a conviction that I needed godly friends in my life. It was God was setting me apart. I had the conviction that I need to change some of my those strong four letter words needed to exit my language. And I had the conviction that getting drunk on Friday nights was not God glorifying. Nobody told me, nobody preached. I don't even know if I read a scripture about it. It was the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm saying He's setting me apart for His purposes, for His glory. What sanctifying work is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? It could, be a it could be a television program that you've watched for years, and you know all the characters, and you follow them, and you tweet them, and you know you Twitter them, and everything. But the Lord's saying that is not a good influence. And it was okay for you in you know whatever 2019 to be you know, but now God's doing a sanctifying work in your life. He's setting you apart for your purpose, and it's like I can't watch that anymore. I can't follow that person. Folks, it's okay to unfollow people on social media. Do you know that? There's no scripture that says, thou shalt not unfollow somebody on social media. There are some people you definitely need to unfollow. And I want to tell you this. If there was a godly person in your life, can I ask you this? If you had a godly friend in your life, and you gave them your phone, and they looked at the people that you are following in social media, would you be okay with that? If there was a godly person that said, what on earth are you following that person? What what influence is that person having in your life? Folks, I have a feeling some people are going to get unfollowed after church, amen? Or during church over here. Absolutely. I mean, somebody was actually saying this. They said, you know, before social media came along, people would have relationships with people in their physical proximity. And... And if there was, you know, a breakdown or or, or geography moved, you would lose contact with the people, and that would be good. Now people are maintaining hundreds of unhealthy relationships that in in normal life for before social media came along, people would cut them off the life. Now you're carrying on. Contact with this friend who knifed you, slandered you, everything. You don't want to unfriend them. Hey, just be submitted to the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, the work of being set apart. Amen. The other thing over here, for obedience to Jesus Christ. Now, this this concept, for obedience to Christ and sprinkling by His blood. This is going forward. Firstly, sprinkling by His blood. Remember, remember, that term, sprinkled by, by the blood, is used all over the, the Old Testament because they had to do all these sacrifices with animals. You know, today, you read sprinkled by the blood and you think, oh, that's weird, where you come from. In those days, in, the Jewish, in, the, in a Jewish context, they were always sprinkling things by blood and it was a symbol, some, symbolic of cleansing, of cleansing of sin. So that's what it was. Okay, I know today, you know, hopefully... You don't sprinkle people with anybody's blood, please don't. Okay. But in those days, it was part of their worship service. You know, just like we sing mass nice choruses, they used to sprinkle things with blood. Okay. I know it seems weird to us, but, the, but that's what it means. it means. It means that you've gone to the cross of Jesus Christ and you go there regularly, okay, because it actually says sprinkling by his blood as a present continuous tense. That... Experiencing the cleansing, the forgiveness of the cross is a reality of you. Not just, you know, you went there, you know, two weeks ago on Easter and that's it. It's a reality. But I want to come back to this thing for obedience to Jesus. That is future tense. He's defining what does it look you're elected You've chosen. Helen's chosen. And Clumello's chosen. And Jenny's chosen. You do. What does it mean? It says, from time began, the Father has been thinking about, been planning this, been scheming, been working this out. How am I going to get that Cass, in 2022, would be serving God? Amen. He's been, he's been maneuvering a thousand moving parts around your life and my life that today we can live in election. That's what the Father's been doing. The Holy Spirit is working in you presently to set you apart, to cleanse you, to get things out of your life that you can be wholly devoted to Jesus. Amen. We've looked at that. But going forward, our commitment is we are going to obey Jesus as we're going forward. We're going to, and what does that mean? I want to go to, whew, now I'm looking at my slides here. And I'm thinking, which one you are going to jump to? Are you looking at all of them? There's one that says, following Jesus, Baboa. I have about 10 slides, but I have no idea where I'm on my slides now. Go to that one that says, follow Jesus. Folks, following Jesus is what happened, what Jesus said to Peter when he called him. Now, we are looking at this term. And I was actually intrigued by this. You know, Peter, before he can finish greeting, doing his greeting probably, you know, properly, you know the, the way you greet his people is grace and peace to you. Before he can get he jumps into this, all this stuff you strangers, but you chosen. you but you chosen. And chosen means the Father has been working in your life, the Holy Spirit's working in your life, and now we're committed to Jesus. He's unpacking these three realities of what it means to be chosen. before he, it's, And I was like, why is this so important to Peter? And then I was reflecting on his story. Folks, Peter was fishing next to a lake. And maybe go to that. Go there, Baboa. Um, you've got to rewind now. That's that Matthew, Matthew 4 scripture. Okay? The, f- the calling of the first disciples. Peter is so struck by the reality of calling. You know, I don't know, if you had to write a letter to, to believers in an area, what is the first thing you're going to mention to them? You know, very often, and, 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 and you're a Christian leader and you want to encourage them. What is the first thing you're going to mention to him? Now, I have no doubt that this was unctioned by the Holy Spirit. But what was Peter's first encounter with Jesus? You know, you could write, and, and I was thinking about this. If I had to write whatever, if there are believers that I, know, that, I have, that I know in some region that are struggling, what is the first thing I would say? It could be that, you know, God really loves you. You could feel like that's the main and first thing they need to hear it could be that you know god is an amazing father it could be that you know he's a, he's a faithful provider he's an amazing protector there's so many things peter jumps in with he's chosen you and this is peter's reality it says in matthew 4 as jesus walking beside the sea of galilee now when you go look at the other scriptures it describes there were throngs of people at this time the, by the sea where the fishermen, I don't know if, if you've ever been at the coast when fishermen bring, when the boats come in. Man, people go down to the coast because they want to buy some fish. And there's usually a crowd of people, etc. It's not, it's not just kind of Peter and his brother Andrew over there. There are a whole lot of people around. And what happens is Jesus walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were uh, casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now you can read that and say, okay, I've read that, heard that before. But folks, I want to submit to you that the fact out of all the people along the lake and the crowds around, that Jesus came to Peter, Jesus came to Helen. Jesus came to Zanele. Jesus came to Awonke. The fact that Jesus came to you out of everybody, this is the thing that just blew Peter out of the water. Me, Lord? Why me? You know why? Because he chose you. He was looking at a bag of seeds. He looked at a bag of half million, a billion seeds. And he was like, I'm choosing Walter. I'm choosing Amu. I'm choosing Babalwa. Why? Because the Father has a plan for the universe. And you part of it. And at this time in 2022, you need to be part of the plan. Amen. And so, the, his, his first encounter with Jesus is a phenomenal calling where Jesus says, Come follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. So go to the follow me uh, slide. What is following Jesus? So the, the calling, he says, follow me. And that's why Peter says, obey Jesus. Because that's what fo- following is. And, and and just on this slide, what does following Jesus look like? Firstly, it's believing his word. You know, Peter and Andrew, Jesus said, follow you, me and I'll make you fish as men. They responded immediately to the words of Jesus. Following Jesus means we believe his word. Our standard is not the culture, the world, or even what other people say. Our standard is His Word. Folks, the Word says that you are elect. Peter wrote this letter to Christians. He so you are chosen by the Father, by the work of the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus. Point two is this. Imitate His character. The goal of Christianity is Christ-likeness. You know what I love about that statement is, no matter what you go through, no matter what you go through. And, 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 the, and, uh, and the reality is, the tougher the things you go through, the more you can become like Jesus. Because it's, as we've looked at before, it's those times that really make us like Jesus. And finally, obey His commands. That's what following Jesus means. That's what Peter says. He says, you're chosen. That means, the Father's been at work for, beforehand. The Holy Spirit's at work right now. And going forward, You obey Him. Going forward, you obey Him. You believe His Word. You imitate His character. And you obey His commands. That's what being set apart looks like. It doesn't take away from the reality that you carry a Zimbabwe passport and you live in Alexandria and they don't like that fact. But I'm here because the Father wants me in Alexandria... God has given me this opportunity to open the spaza shop over here. I'm trusting God to provide for me in Alexander Township. And I'm using that as a metaphor because I don't know what your reality is. You may be struggling with your family. You may be struggling with your studies. You may be struggling with your business, etc. My question is do you know that you are called? Do you know that you are chosen? Do you know that He has selected you? You are not a mistake. In, 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 and I want to, I want to actually finish with this. It says in um, John one verse twelve, to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Who were born, not of blood, in other words, that's your heritage. Folks, you were born. He's talking about being born again. You being born again has got nothing to do with your heritage, your, your Zulu-ness, your English-ness, your afrikaans It's got nothing to do with that. You were born again not because of that. Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of man. You were born again. Now, what he's doing here, he's describing, he's contrasting. In the natural, yes. You have a cultural background. You have a bloodline that is Zulu or English or Afrikaans or Isikosa. And you were born of the volition of some parents. He's saying you were born of God. And what he's saying here is, he's contrasting. Parents came together, a mom and a dad produced you. And there was a volition in that. And I don't want you to get triggered with... I don't quite know how that happened. Don't get triggered by that. What he's saying is, you were born by the will of God. You were chosen. You were elected. You were selected by God from time began. He's still working in you by the Holy Spirit. And he's calling you to follow Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would burn this reality of election in us, Lord. And I pray that as you burn the reality that you chose us, God, you you have invaded this planet. You've been searching for us, looking for us, calling us to your purposes for a long time, Lord. God, would that reality undo what the world wants to tell us? We foreigners with a foreign passport, we don't belong, we we kind of the odd one out. Father, undo that. To you, there's no odd one out. To you, we are not strange. To you, we are not different. To you, we are perfect. You created us. You gave us our personality, our genes, our eye color, our hair, our height. God, you chose us to be at this time. God, I pray that the reality of your election would undo everything the enemy throws at us about our unness. Lord, we say we are. We are, we are here to follow you, to believe your word, to imitate your character, Lord, and to obey your commands. God, may we know, may we hear your word, may we follow your leading, in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. amen." God bless you. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.ca and for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, Visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.